welcome to another episode with Chat with Ty. Um, today, I am honored to have one of my best friends, um, Hayden Salfield, to join me today um, to talk a little bit about Power Grid and clean energy. Um, Hayden is from Washington. I got to know him through high school. Uh, he just graduated from the Univers University of Gonzaga with a degree in engineering. And why don't you introduce yourself, um, Hayden? Tell us a little fun fact about yourself and tell us what you're going to teach me today. Uh, all right. Well, hi, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Um, like you said, my name's Hayden. I just graduated with my degree in electrical engineering from Tacoma. Um, but been living in Spokane for a few years, going to school. And fun fact about myself is I'm a 2022 Gonzaga intramural basketball champion. But I, I tore my ACL in the process, but I got there, so. All right, so um, what's so interesting about the power grid and clean energy that you decided to um, kind of just focus your career on it, I guess? Well, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, like what I wanted to major in and all that, I, I kind of knew I wanted to go into engineering, um, but I didn't know which of the engineerings I would want to do. Um, and so I thought about kind of what are some of the biggest problems in the world right now? And kind of the first and most prevalent one that popped into my head was the environment. Um, Cause it's, you know, we're destroying it at a pretty quick pace here. And so I was like, well, a good way to reverse environmental destruction is probably to lessen our dependence on fossil fuels and coals and to, uh, you know, switch over to clean energy. So that was kind of my motivation for initially going into electrical engineering. Um, luckily enough, I'm later this month, I'm going to be starting a job. I'm going to be working on the power grid, not exactly doing clean energy, but hoping to get there eventually. There's not really any entry level jobs in clean energy, unfortunately. I'm working on it so yeah yeah you just have to go through some of the other stuff if to eventually reach your goal it's that's kind of how it, how it is for um sports management and marketing and stuff that i'm doing um mm -hmm. you have to like find the most like basic and the hardest well the most repetitive job on sometimes before yeah. you can, like graduate to someone that's something that's more um more broad or more in your area of interest, I guess. So I totally understand that. Personally, I have no clue what power grids are and how clean energy is created and generated and how it's different um, from other kind of energy. I do know like clean energy from its name, it's probably better for the environment because it's clean, but tell me a little bit more about what those things are. Okay. Yeah. Well, I do want to preface this by saying I'm by no means an expert on any of this. I have, I mean, no work experience in the clean energy field. I have some uh, experience just through internships in the, the power field. So I do know a little bit, um, but then most of it is just research and stuff I've done. And then I, I wrote my thesis about this. So there's a little bit of credibility at least. So just, I mean, my kind of motivation for this is i mean like i said when i became an electrical engineer it was all about trying to save the environment or whatever but i after taking some classes and stuff i realized it's not as simple as just tearing down all our 
coal plants and just replacing them with wind farms and solar farms. It's mm. so much more complicated than that. And I had no idea. Um, and so just before we get into all the clean energy stuff, I want to go through a little bit of basics in the power grid. Mm -hmm. So just the very basics of how it power gets to your house and how you're able to flip on a light or plug into an outlet. So first power is generated somewhere um, by something like a coal plant or like a hydroelectric plant, like a dam um, or a solar farm or a wind farm or, you know, something else like geothermal. And then they use what are called, so usually um, power is generated at a low voltage and then they use what are called transformers to kick it up to a really high voltage. And when, it, some, when power goes through a transformer, it's the same amount of power on each side. So power is calculated by multiplying current and voltage. So you get the same amount of power on each side, but it's just at a much higher voltage, which means there's a lower current, which means you get less losses. So is basically like compressing it or stretching it out because the current of wavelength, is that how the current is like getting like lo longer? So there's like less frequency. So is that how so the frequency is always the same. The frequency is always 60 Hertz yeah. on, on the US grid in Europe. It's 50. I don't know about other places. Okay. Um, so current is like the actual flow of the electrons, you know, it's, Current is measured in amps, which is coulombs per second. And coulomb is a unit of, of electric charge. So it's how much charge is actually flowing at one time. And then voltage is kind of like the driving force behind the flow. So you can think of it as a good analogy is like, um, like if you're looking at a water pipe, then the current would be, you know, how much water per second is moving through a particular point and then the voltage would be what's the preferred pressure differential from this end of the pipe to this end of the pipe because that's what's actually driving the water to move mm -hmm. so the reason that you kick the uh to kick the power up to a high voltage is because when you have a really high current you get a lot of losses which means you're you're losing power just to heat um, so you kick it up to high voltage, so then the power remains the same, but the or the power that you're moving stays the same, but the current goes down, meaning you're not losing as much power to heat. So they kick it up in generation, send it long distances uh, through what's called transmission, and so that's the what's where the highest voltages are because they have to usually send it pretty far, and so that can be anywhere from like 115,000 volts up to a million volts. And then once it gets closer to, um, you know, a customer like a house, they run it through another transformer to step down the voltage to make it a little safer because you don't want super high voltages in like a neighborhood. Because if somebody knocks down a pole or something, you can start a fire and, you know, it's it's dangerous. So they step it down to lower voltages and then right before it gets to your house, usually there's one final transformer that steps it down to the voltages that you'd use in your house, which is usually 120 or 240 volts. So a lot lower than, you know, the transmission. Interesting. Is this correct that um, the process of like kind of changing the voltage and the current current is the purpose for it is just for it to like transfer from one point from one transmitter to the other faster? It's not it's not faster. Um, oh. It's just 
to lose less along the way. Because no matter what, like, no matter what, you're going to be losing power. Power, they usually measure power in watts typically. So if you're generating, you know, a million watts, then by the time it gets to the customers, it might only be 900,000 watts or something. So it's kind of my, it's kind of like energy, uh, like momentum and energy. Like, for example, if you're like, as a person throughout the day, you're burning a lot of calories and you're also intaking a lot of calories. So sometimes it's easier for you to drive to work instead of bike to work because you spend less energy driving there. But the, the energy that you're consuming is the same at the beginning of the day. It's just at the end of the day, the energy that you have left from the first meal is significantly, significantly more when you drive to work. Is that how it works, Hannah? Yeah, yeah. It's just a, a better way of getting power from point A to point B without, Waste. like you said, wasting a whole bunch of energy yeah. along the way. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's kind of the basics. It gets pretty complicated because, you know, it's all super interconnected and something that happens in you know california can affect something that happens up in seattle so hmm. i don't understand it all super well <laughs> but i don't need to yet you know it's not a big deal so yeah now we're going to get into clean energy a little bit and why it's so hard to implement why you can't just knock down all the coal plants put in wind farms in their place so the four main reasons for this are reliability cost, planning and construction time, and then uh, protection, uh, which is kind of a niche topic within power engineering, but actually is pretty important when it comes to renewables. Mm -hmm. So first off with reliability, generation, power generation has to meet power demand at any given moment, mm -hmm. which means whenever you flip on a light switch, some generator somewhere needs to kick up just slightly to meet the load that you're adding to the grid in that exact moment. So you can't generate a bunch of power at one point and then have customers use it later on in the day. It has to be, you know, one to one at the exact same time. Interesting. Which makes it really complicated for things like windmills and solar panels because nobody's controlling how much wind is blowing or when the sun is shining. You know, it's with something like a dam, there is operators that control how much water flows through mm -hmm. so that so that they can control the generation to meet power demand. But with something like wind or solar, it's entirely weather dependent and you have no way of getting them to line up. You kind of just have to hope for the best. I mean, that's really the big one. And that's why things like hydropower and nuclear and fossil fuel are necessary at this point in time, because we need to have stuff that we can scale up and down to meet um, demand as it's changing throughout the day. A quick question on that. Wouldn't, well, for someone who like doesn't really know much about the energy field, um, I would I would expect that someone way smarter than me would have created this like battery kind of thing that kind of stores the energy that you get and then you can like distribute it later on. So like a, like a battery kind of storage, wouldn't that be like a better solution for um, one to, instead of like the one to one demand, the demand matching the demand, I guess. Yeah, man, it's like we, it's almost like we practiced this before because that's exactly what I was going to talk about next. Okay. <laughs> that 
Um, yeah, so that is a great way to improve reliability is to have these batteries. They're not super common right now, um, really? largely because they're super expensive and because you have to store a ton of energy for it to be useful, basically. Um, there's a few different ways to store energy. There's like a battery like you were talking about. And then there's also this really interesting concept called pumped storage hydropower, where when a, so they, they'll use like an existing dam that has a reservoir. And when, for example, it's really windy, but there's not enough power uh, demand for the, the wind's power to be used at that time, they'll use the excess power to actually pump water up into the dam's reservoir. So then it's storing the water to later be used as energy as it flows through the dam. Okay. So I think that's a really interesting, because it's such a simple thing, you know? It's yeah. just using potential energy of the weight of the water to store it and then use it later. Um, so that's a, that's a really cool one that's being used in some places. And then a relatively new one is called a hydrogen electrolyzer. Uh, which is another way to store energy. It has to do with using excess power to separate water into hydrogen and oxygen gases. And then later on, when extra power is needed, uh, they burn the two gases to create water, which releases a whole bunch of energy that you can use on the grid. Um, yeah, I remember when I first learned like chemistry and stuff, it's like hydrogen plus oxygen, two hydrogen plus one oxygen, creates h2o and releases heat so I mm -hmm. it's the heat that's kind of the energy or the source uh, of energy that um that they're generating right now mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that one's actually it's that one's awesome because batteries there's uh the two kind of main types that are used are lead acid batteries and lithium ion batteries mm -hmm. and they're just i mean they're horrible for the environment you know, because I mean, I'm sure you heard a little bit about like yeah. the uptick in lithium um, requirements for all these electric cars and stuff is just causing mining in third world countries to go like off the charts. And it's, you know, it's a humanitarian issue as well as an environmental issue. But oh. something like a hydrogen electrolyzer, I mean, hydrogen's everywhere and oxygen's everywhere too, obviously. It's easy to get. The, the problem with it is it's still kind of expensive and it uses a huge amount of space. So they kind of need just wide open spaces to implement it. So are you are you suggesting that electrical cars are actually using this kind of battery that's worse for the environment? Yeah, I mean, that's it's a huge downside of electrical cars. It's great that they're reducing our dependency on fossil fuels. Yeah, but there is a major drawback. And that's, you know, these lithium ion batteries, which some of them are actually able to be recycled now. Um, it used to be that the the type of, I don't know exactly how it works, but the type of lithium batteries they're using, basically once they hit the end of their life, they were just done. You had to fill up a landfill somewhere. Now they're making them better, so you can actually recycle most of it. So that's a little better at least, and the mining is, is still a huge problem, and I don't know how to fix that. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, I remember in China we had... Um years back we had the uh, um, regular trash the food trash the composable trash and then mm -hmm. there's battery uh trash it's just like you have to separate the battery from everything else because the battery is go through a different process 
because you can't just throw it into the ground because it will never get like decomposed. So I do understand how bad like the batteries can be. So yeah, yeah, totally. All right, so that was that was one of the ways that reliability can be improved.、Mm -hmm. um, and the main issue of that is cost. Basically, it's expensive to do a lot of that. Another way to improve reliability is to just increase generation capacity a ton. So basically, in 2020,、uh, total power generation in the U.S. totaled about 1,150 million kilowatts. So number, or I have no like. Yeah, was, I realize it's not really a. It's not important really to understand how much that is at this point. Just know that. That was how much we used basically in a year. Looking at the percent breakdown of where that power came from, sixty-six percent of the generation is not clean. So that means sixty-six percent of it would need to be replaced for it to be a hundred percent clean energy. However, that does not take into account the fact that load is growing as we have more people. I mean, there's just always population growth. And as things like electric cars become more popular, because they become a huge load on the grid when they're charging, and then also that doesn't even take into account the fact that that clean energy is not that reliable, like we talked about. So you need to scale it up even more to basically say, like, you know, for every one watt that's produced by a coal plant, you probably need to have at least two watts worth of wind farms. For example, because you know they're not going to be—it's not going to be windy 100% of the time. That means we would need to build about 1,468 million kilowatts of new clean energy capacity to meet demand by 2050, which is a huge, massive amount. That's—I mean—that's more power than we used in a year in 2020. It's just like an unfathomable amount of clean energy that would need to be built. It could be done, you know, potentially, but. It's just, it's so much. You'd need to get rid of so much and build a whole bunch of new stuff. Well, um, so one of the things that I think I might have heard somewhere, um, like a long time ago, was um, using the solar energy as the main source of clean energy. But instead of using like solar panels on Earth, you shoot satellites with like the solar panels attached to it to、uh, into space. And because there's always a side of the Earth that's facing the sun, if you can do this as like a like a global um, united um, effort, that you can have like solar energy 24/7 because there's always、mm -hmm. a side that's facing the sun. Have you like ever like heard about that kind of initiative and stuff? I have heard of that, and it's a really interesting idea, and it could totally work to capture the energy that way. But the issue is, how do you get it back to the planet? You can't run a power line, you know, up into orbit.、Um, so the the solution that I saw proposed and what I read was to use a laser.、Oh. But and I don't know, I don't I don't know exactly how it works. But a, you could potentially laser the energy and then receive it here on Earth and then use it. But currently, our laser technology is not nearly good enough. They said that our very best lasers, if you shot it from A satellite in orbit, it would disperse or like diffuse enough、um, by the time it reached the planet that you couldn't capture any of the energy because it would just be too, you know, all spread out. So, 
Maybe. But maybe, I mean, it's a good idea and technology is, you know, moving at breakneck pace. So could happen. That's a, it's a cool idea. What if you have like satellites or like balloons or some kind of stuff like between like 20 miles from each other and you just like shoot it down, shoot the laser down like the maximum distance without losing power. Just one step. It's like, you know, dungeons and dragons and stuff. You just like keep going down the dungeon. He's <laughs> like connecting. I mean, that would be. A lot I don't know, man. It would be like counterproductive because you're building so much like different stuff. But I don't know. Eventually, we'll figure something out. Maybe aliens will visit us and give us a gift. But who knows? Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, I don't know. That's it. I like the balloon idea. That's that's a good idea. <laughs> I have no idea though. Yeah, I I remember like reading about um in the old ages, like people were like. Scientists will fly kites to catch lightning, so they can charge like some stuff with like electricity because、um, they're trying to get the natural、uh, the natural energy from the lightning to like strike the kite and then go down and gather the energy through that way somehow. But、huh. yeah, yeah, I never heard of that. I've heard the story of of Ben Franklin flying the kite to to prove that lightning is electricity.、Um, I've never heard of. Capturing the energy. Yeah,、really、cool. Interesting. True story. <laughs> so there's kind of one final way that I was going to talk about that you could improve the reliability if you were to implement clean energy, and that's to do an overhaul of our power transmission system. So there's currently, I, I'm kind of kind of focus on. The United States and North America, I guess, because I'm including Canada a little bit here. But there's basically three interconnections in North America, or I guess in the U.S. and Canada. There's the Western interconnection, which basically includes everything west of Nebraska, essentially. There's the Eastern interconnection, which is Nebraska and east, and then there's Texas, which is on its own for some reason. I looked it up. I never found a good reason why they're on their own. It doesn't make sense to me. It's But so big, I guess. And Texas is like we're our own like country. Don't they have like a, their own flag and stuff too? Yeah, that's probably why. I don't.、Well, know. <laughs> yeah, we have our own flag too in Washington. But yeah. But... They. I mean, yeah. They always talk. I heard they're actually going to vote to secede again. Really? They, yeah. They do periodically.、Yeah. Texas. Yeah. yeah. Very odd state, but. Yeah, so there's there's these three interconnections, and you can't just send power across them easily, because they they all operate at 60 hertz, so they all their oscillations are all 60 times a second,、mm -hmm. but they're not synchronized, so they don't they're just they're out of phase with each other. You can't just connect them because the waves don't line up. So if you want to send power between them, what you have to do. Is convert your alternating current power into direct current with DC, send it across the border of the interconnection, and then convert it back to alternating current so that it'll、uh, sync up with the new interconnection.、Hmm. And this is super expensive to do. A lot、yeah. of places don't do it, or I mean, they do it. It's it, there are interconnections. Er, Interties is what they're called. There are interties across the borders of the interconnections, but they're just so expensive. It's they don't do a ton of them. So, 
What I'm saying they should do is just connect it all. You know, screw the separate interconnection. It doesn't make sense. It's out of date and antiquated. I think they need to, you know, tear down these borders basically and just interconnect the whole thing, sync it all up so that you can freely send power back and forth. Because what that does is say, I mean, like for example, California currently is pretty dependent on solar or solar power. And this, I mean, it's great that they're not burning a ton of fossil fuels and stuff, but it means they're super dependent on other states to send them power when they have a cloudy day, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're able to interconnect the entire US and parts of Canada, then you're gonna, I mean, then when there's a super sunny day in California and they're overproducing, um, but you happen to have, you know, maybe in Illinois, then maybe they're dependent on wind power or something. And there happens to be no wind that day. Then California can send their power all the way across the country to meet the load over there. And then vice versa, when there's a cloudy day in most of California, but the wind is blowing in Illinois, they can send their power back to California. And it, it just improves the whole system's reliability because anywhere that's overproducing can help it. Anywhere else that's underproducing. But um, you mentioned that the main problem is uh, the cost of building those like transmitters or whatever the thing is called that um, changes the currency and stuff. That's the main problem, the cost? Yeah, it's the cost of the, the interties across the interconnections. But I'm saying they should just get rid of the interconnections and sync everything up. So because each each place has its own each place has its own way to sync everything all together. Like their own like area code when it comes to like phone, they have like different. Areas. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a way to think about it. But what I'm saying is just sync everything all together. Get rid of the inner. Make it so that you don't even need to build the interties because who needs them? You know, make it so that everything in the whole and all of North America is just synced up. So then you can send power freely wherever you want. Because the inner tie capacity, you can barely send anything across it because they're so expensive to build. Syncing up everything would be super expensive as well, unfortunately. Okay. But it's a more long-term and permanent solution. It makes it so that you don't need to do that whole weird conversion thing where you convert to DC then back to AC. It makes it so you can just have a single power line mm -hmm. running across everywhere, you know? Why do you think um, they're not syncing it already besides you're saying that it's also going to be super costly? Like, why else do you think it's preventing the government or the people to do this now? Since obviously it sounds very beneficial for the whole country, maybe even the continent. Why do you think they're not doing it yet? I mean, I think it's it's just the cost. I, I Dude, I've read about this for hours and hours trying to find a good reason, and that's all I could come up with. I, I couldn't even find anything as to why they were separated in the first place. I was specifically specifically trying to find why Texas is on its own because it doesn't make any sense. And I mean, uh, February of, I think it was 2021, they had the, um, the Arctic freeze there and a whole bunch of people were without power for like a few days. And that's because they don't have any other states to help. And so it's just, it's just idiotic. It's like, why like just interconnect everything and then that won't happen you know it's it's so stupid i i really don't understand i mean biden just recently or a few months ago i guess signed that infrastructure bill that'll you know set aside however much money for 
the power grid, but it just needs so much more. A lot of the stuff that we have on the power grid was built in the 50s and it's still standing and still being used today. And it's great if it's working fine, but in a lot of cases, specifically Texas, it's not working at all and it's failing and people are stuck without power or in some cases paying outrageous electricity bills like $10,000 in a month, which is what happened in February in Texas. It's, it's absurd. And that would not happen basically ever if they would just sync everything up and um, get rid of these weird interconnections. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of things about like, I feel like obviously money plays a big part in this, but also um, I feel like there's politics involved somehow. And there's also people just like, because like you are saying, like it was built in the fifties and they're still using it probably because they're like, they look at the cost, they're like, they're still working. Like why would mm -hmm. I spend billions of dollars on something that's still working, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, a big part of why the funding is so hard to come by is that uh, the amount of money that utilities can actually make is limited because they can't just raise their rates whenever they want because utilities in general typically have a monopoly over an area. And so to prevent them from just raising power rates unnecessarily, they have to have their rates approved by whatever local public utility commission they have before they're put into place. So this limits them to only being able to make a certain amount of money, which is a good thing because otherwise, like I said, they could raise rates and make people pay exorbitant amounts of money. Um, but that means they can't afford to do this transmission system overhaul or to build a, a huge amount of new clean energy or to build the batteries we were talking about. They can't, they can do some of it, but they can't do all of it. And they especially can't do all of it by 2050, which is, you know, the goals that, or that's like kind of like the timeline that a lot of this environmental stuff is on. Like we want to be carbon free by 2050. So. Federal and state assistance is definitely necessary. But I mean, like you said, the politics get in the way. I mean, there's still there's still climate change deniers and some of them are running our country. I mean, there's people in power who do not believe that the climate is changing and that, you know, the environment is being destroyed. It's it's crazy. Like <laughs> it is. Yeah. So Step one to all this is to put the right people in office who are actually going to do something about all this. Make these necessary changes to the power grid that'll allow clean energy to even to even be used and then to actually build the clean energy that will replace all the fossil fuel and coal. Um, so it makes sense. It just takes yeah. a lot of time and commitment and money and a lot of times that because there's a lot of other immediate needs that people see right now that I think it's more beneficial to just wait and focus on the immediate needs for now. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a really interesting, it's, it's true. And that's, that's how things work in our country at least. But I mean, it's a very reactive approach to something that should be much more proactive. It's like, oh, there's a problem. Okay, now we can fix it. But you could have prevented the problem in the first place if you just listened to the experts, you know, 
We've been telling you that this problem is coming for a long time. Corporations are just so driven by like very near term, like quarterly profits. Yeah. It's like they have no foresight at all into, into what the potential ramifications of their actions are. And that has to do financially, like you're talking about, where, you know, the outsourcing has caused a huge crisis in America or environmentally, where we just dump all these gases in the atmosphere, dump our stuff in the river, and who cares, the next generation will deal with it. That's just how business has been run in America. And I mean, I know the most about America, but I'm sure other parts of the world too, where it's just like, we just need to maximize our profits now. And who cares? That's all that matters. Oh yeah. It's like, I remember, I remember like a couple years back, um, China, like Beijing and Shanghai had that huge pollution issues that everyone like in Beijing, everyone was like wearing masks outside. It was like years before COVID. And then because like all of the, the air quality is so polluted that it's unhealthy for you to breathe it directly without wearing a mask. And then, and then that's kind of why like clean energy came into play and China was like, oh shit, like we gotta fix this so people can actually like breathe and it's like <laughs> foggy all the time. So <laughs> one of the tallest buildings in Shanghai and then I put, they put like a monitor on top of it to like test the air quality every single day. And it shows on like the big like display every single day. And they try to like do, they spend like years to try to fix the problem. You do something because you see the immediate profit instead of like seeing how it can like affect you in like five years. It's kind of like how how we're doing like in general, I guess as, as humans. Uh, now, now we're doing better, but back in the day it was like, well, I'm doing this because this is going to make my life better, but I don't really care about my grandkids' life, you know, because <laughs> I haven't met them yet, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a whole 20th century. It's just like screwing around with the environment and doing yeah. whatever they want. I mean, there was the, the whole like space race and arms race between oh, yeah. the, the US and the USSR is just absurd. Yeah. And it yeah, it was just spending a bunch of money on stuff that nobody cares about and is exactly. still hurting us today. A side note, but like a couple couple weeks ago I was hearing about um was it a Don- Dominic Republic or one of the one of the South America countries? Um they they were like in debt for two hundred years because they you probably know history, but like um it was the it was one of the countries that got um, independent from French France like a long time ago, and then French was like French the French army like came to this this country in South America and then they're like, well we can give you independence if you pay us like six million dollars at a time or something like that, and the government like took the deal because like we want independence, but at the time the French government set like a time limit it's like you have to pay us six million dollars or something like that within like three years and they know that they cannot pay that much money without loaning money from the french government so pretty much they loan money from the french government to pay it back and and then and then they they like spend the next like 50 years paying back the french loan which the interest rate was like stupid Mm -hmm. and the way they paid it off 
was taxing everything in a country and also borrowing money from other governments like Spain and England. So eventually they're in debt for like 200 years because they paid so much money. And now like, I think like 10 years ago, they finally was like debt free and it took them like 200 years. Dang. It's insane. I have to, I have to figure out what country it is. I feel, isn't it, isn't Haiti one that used to be a French colony? Oh, I think sure. it might be Haiti. It might be Haiti. Okay. That's that's the only one that I'm pretty sure used to be a French colony. The only one I can think of at least, but I, I don't really know. But I, I heard something similar with Nigeria, which wasn't even a, a US colony or anything. As far as I know, I don't think it was, but they, I think it was when they were industrializing or starting to industrialize, they borrowed a bunch of money from us. And I think when we initially gave them the loans, there was like a pretty reasonable interest rate, but then we just changed all the interest rates and now like 60 years later, they owe us like, I think it's like 10 times as much money as they originally borrowed. Yep. It's like, how that doesn't even make sense. Like, it's just us taking advantage of a poor third world nation because the US can, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, yeah. So they had a, they had a precise price point for the double debt which is 112 million francs or about 560 million today. That's how much they owed the French, the French government at the time, which is stupid. Yeah, that's crazy. It took them 122 years to pay off the French debt. And then they have to pay like, they had to spend another like 50 years or something to pay off the other debts. Yeah, the French like, the French like knew this would happen when they like, give them the offer and they did not think they were gonna like do it they thought they were gonna have like an independence war with them <laughs> but somehow they, they agreed to it so <laughs> well i'm glad they're finally debt free so the final issue that really needs to be solved before this can all happen is protection around clean energy um so protection is kind of a subsector or the sub industry within power engineering um, that has to do with making sure nothing burns down, essentially. So uh, anytime something goes wrong on the power grid, like a tree falls into a line or a line falls down or two lines touch or something like that, uh, that's called a fault. And it can cause all sorts of issues on the power grid. So there are these things called relays that are always measuring um, values like current and voltage and frequency to make sure everything's right. And if anything does go wrong, then the relays can send instructions to other things like circuit breakers and uh, reclosers and stuff like that to tell them to open the line so that whatever's going on wrong uh, in this part of the grid won't affect everything else. So that's what protection is, but there's a specific issue with protection around things like wind and solar. Because the way, the way that a lot of faults are detected is by the type of current they're producing. It's not super, I mean, this part can get kind of technical if I really dive into it, but I won't because it's not that important. But there's three types of current basically that, that can be produced. There's positive sequence, negative sequence, and zero sequence. And so there's, there's three phases, three phases of power usually. So anytime you see it, a transmission power line, usually there's three of them. 
um, and they're in A, B, and C phase. And they're supposed to all be 120 degrees out of phase with each other. So like A phase will peak, and then right after B phase will peak, and then right after C phase will peak, and then it repeats. So positive sequence is when everything's going right, and there's A, then B, then C, and so on. Negative sequence is when something gets flipped somehow, and it goes A, then C, then B, um, or CBA or whatever. And then finally, there's zero sequence, which is all three are peaking at the same time. So positive sequence means everything's going right. Negative and zero sequence means something has gone wrong and there's a fault somewhere on the system. So a lot of the relays that we use are meant to detect these negative and zero sequence currents. Um, and then to send instructions to the grid based on what they measure. However, wind and solar plants do not produce negative and zero sequence current at all. So when there's a fault, the relays might not see anything going wrong because, because of the type of generation that's near the faults. Mm -hmm. So basically like you can lose a whole bunch of power lines and like part of the grid can essentially burn down. Um, if the fault is not detected and properly and there's no mitigation actions taken. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be basically a new solution to not rely on these types of relays that detect negative and zero sequence currents near these clean generation plants because it simply doesn't work. Yeah, so that is kind of it for what I got. Um, so in, in conclusion, just kind of want to go through my main points again. So wind and solar, um, those are not, I mean, that's not all clean generation, but that's the types I focused on for this one because they're kind of the most well-known and the most prevalent. Um, they're less reliable than other forms of generation. And the reliability can be improved. And we talked about that, like with batteries, with the transmission system overhaul, um, but that all comes at a really high cost. And then all the changes to the grid are gonna require a lot of time to plan for, and then to actually build takes time too. And wind and solar also make protection difficult. We just talked about. So that's it. It's just not that easy. <laughs> Basically is the, the conclusion here is, when I became, when I was a freshman electrical engineer, I thought, you know, what's so hard about this? Why haven't they done this yet? And mm. now, now I know why. <laughs> There's a, a lot behind it that makes it a lot more complicated than than I thought. And I hope you learned something. And yeah. yeah. Well, it only took you four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I know. <laughs> well, it only took me an hour. So. I know, yeah, you beat me. That was crazy. <laughs> and I don't have to go for the tuition. College is overrated, man. Yeah, well, you'll have to teach me about sports management and marketing someday, I guess. Well, thank you, Hayden, for teaching me about power grid and clean energy. Um, kind of just summarizing what you learn in four years into an hour, I guess. I feel like I have more knowledge on how power grid and clean energy operates and how it's connected. Without without the power grid upgrade, um, you cannot have the clean energy upgrade. And also there's a lot of potential cost um, analysis behind building a new power grid and how people don't see the benefit immediately. That's why they don't really want to invest in it. But hopefully, I hope 
something changes and maybe you can be the change maybe someone decides okay we had enough we want to give our like grandkids a better environment to live in that they can see what we see nowadays um very like end of the world kind of vibe you know movie kind of vibe you know just you gotta you gotta give your kids a better environment to live in so i hope something changes but thank you guys for listening and thanks Hayden for teaching me and spending the time to chat with me today. This is Chat with Ty. I'll talk to you guys like next time.